and, uh, and I forgot about the sound, so boy, the phone did get me off track. Uh, technology sometimes throws us off, and, and I was just scrolling through Facebook and looking at the phone and looking at every. I was off track. Um, I want to just take a moment and just welcome our other campuses that are joining us here this morning. We welcome with me the Bainbridge campus and Cincinnatus and those with us online this morning. If you welcome with me uh, all those from our other campuses. And then we have an extra special opportunity today because we have joining with us the very first worship gathering, uh, the pre-launch worship gathering of our Valley Campus. And they're joining with us this morning. We just want to welcome them. An extra special welcome if you join with me. And uh, have, you ever, have you ever gotten sidetracked by technology? I'm, I did. I have. Uh, have you ever gotten distracted in life? Preoccupied. We live in a culture that gets preoccupied with technology. And, and that can happen so easily. Uh, I've got a picture here of two people. They're sitting there with their phones. They're so close to each other, and yet they're not talking, they're not relating, they're not enjoying their friendship. And that can happen so easy with our technology. We end up preoccupied with our apps, with our games, with our focus, that we lose track of what we're doing. I've seen people in restaurants, they're there to have a date, and the two individuals are on their phones scrolling through their stuff, and they never talk to each other. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been there and seen that. Uh, so I've seen people walking down the street with their phone, their heads in their phone, and they almost walk into traffic. I've seen people in their cars. You look over and they're looking at their phone and they're driving a little erratically. Uh, we can get off track so easily and miss the bigger picture of what's around us. And we've been going through the book of Colossians and we've been reading that. And the Colossian believers, they may not have gotten sidetracked by their technology, uh, but there was some distractions in their life. And Pastor Justin shared, us, shared with us some of those distractions. He shared with us that, that uh, their, their culture, they had kind of lost cultural influence. They had moved the highway system, and no one was going through their town anymore, and so they had lost the uh, cultural influence, the governmental influence, their economy was tanking. Uh, they just had a lot of distractions in their head. Last week, we talked about legalism. Well, they had some false teaching in their church. They had some legalism in their church, and that was distracting them so that they no longer had the focus on the mission. And, and they lost focus. But, but of course, that's then, right? We don't lose focus anymore. Uh, we don't get distracted. Actually, I think we get bombarded with difficulties every day. Uh, every day. I can't sit down to the news and not see political division or, or just the troubles of the day, the confusion of the time, uh, division race, racially, uh, economically. I can't drive past a gas station and not think about problems. <laughs> we, end up, we end up seeing the problems all the time. And it's kind of like that phone where you're scrolling through the apps and it's right in front of your face and you can get distracted from the rest of life. Maybe you're watching a cute cat video or a dog that looks really beautiful and you miss the big picture around you. Same thing can happen in our life where we see the problems day in and day out day in and day out, and we can get lost in the problems. I can. I have. 
Uh, this past year was a difficult year for my family and I. And we made a really tough decision to step out of a long-term ministry. And we were passionate about God's mission. And we knew that continuing, we weren't going to see that mission realized. And so we made the tough decision to step out. And that brought with it a bunch of problems. You know, wonder how, how are we going to make it financially? How are we going to go forward as a family? Uh, we, at the same time, we're dealing with a bunch of health issues right in our family. And, and what are we going to do next? What's the future going to look like? We didn't have it mapped out. We just knew this was the next right decision. And so the problems are looming. I ended up working in construction, and I've been doing that all summer long and into the fall. And so every day I'm there with a hammer in my thoughts. And the problems scrolling through my head like a Rolodex or like the, the apps on a phone. Just the problems in front of me all day long. And so I started to, the questions start to fly. Why me? Uh, what, what's next? Am I, am I worthless? My family has given up so much. Am I letting my family down? And questions continue, like, God, is there anything next? Are you done with me? Is there a future for me? And the questions fly. The problems were in my face. And I had all day to keep thinking of the problems. And it was easy to lose focus. And if I lost focus, I lose the mission. But we can lose that focus and when we lose focus, there's a lot of things we can run to to try and solve the problem. We try to come up with our own answers to the problem. But I want to encourage you today that if you've lost focus, if we, when, when we lose focus, that the government's not the answer. Amen? <laughs> the government's not the answer. Uh, getting a higher income or getting the desires of our life and the wants of our life, that's not the answer. It's not the answer. It won't solve the problem. In fact, Solomon pursued all of that. And at the end of the book, Ecclesiastes, it says, and you can get everything, but what you need is your relationship with God. The things aren't the answer. Now, religious legalism, we looked at that last week. It's not the answer. It won't fix the problems. And so as we turn to the book of Colossians, Paul, Paul gives us a refocus. He allows us to see the answer. And so we're going to turn to the book of Colossians this morning, chapter 3. And I'd encourage you to join me in, in Colossians this morning. Uh, we're going to be in, there's a, a Bible in your, your chair, under the chair in front of you. And if you don't have a, a Bible, we'd encourage you to go ahead and take that. It's, it's our gift. You need an easy read Bible. It's our gift. And we're going to be on page 951. If you join with me in Colossians chapter 3. Paul writes, he says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. May we take that refocus. Sometimes my mental default is to go back into the problems because they're right there. And, and they have to have a solution. And as a man, I want to solve. <laughs> um, 
So the mental default, maybe go back to the problems, but what God wants us to do is have that refocus. And Paul says, we don't have to live in the problems. We don't have to live in the past because that life is over and we actually have new life in Christ, a new life, a new opportunity. And so he, he calls us to change our focus, to set our sights. It's interesting, where, where you focus, you tend to go. So if we're walking, where we're, where we're looking is where we head. If we're driving, some people that you, you look at the oncoming traffic, eventually you might shift over a little bit. You've got to be careful with that. Or if you're looking off to the side, you might trail over and go to the rumble strip. Uh, in, in soccer, my kids have been playing soccer this fall. And one of the things I've, I've watched over the last couple of years in watching them play is there's this 24-foot goal, and, and there's one goalie in the middle of this huge goal, and yet when the offensive player comes down, they dribble down the field and they go to shoot, they look at the goalie and they shoot and almost every shot goes right to the goalie. And it takes an experienced player to say, not have my eyes on the goalie, but instead have my eyes on the goal. And that's what, that's what Paul's calling us to here, that our eyes would be set on something different, not on the problem, but on the end point, the goal, on heaven. On, on the heaven reality here in that verse is that Christ sits in the place of honor on God's right hand. The problems don't rule. Amen? The problems aren't on the throne. Jesus is. Jesus is the one that we need to put our eyes toward. And so as we do that, uh, really the call is to have our heads up, set our sights on that heaven reality, uh, get, get our heads out of the phone or out of the problems, out of the, out of the apps in our head that wants to keep telling us maybe we're a failure or things have gone wrong or here's the problem, I've got to solve it. Instead, focus on what Jesus is, what he's done, his love for us. Take a look at verses two and on with me. Paul says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. That think is the idea of centering your life around. Don't center your life around the things of earth. Center your life around the things of heaven. He says, for you have died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Man, we sometimes get tied in the problems and and Paul says, don't, don't be there. Remember that at the end of the day, we win. Christ wins. And he comes in his glory. We're going to be there with him. Heads up. Think differently. Center your life around Jesus. Uh, have you ever heard the description of uh, he or she is more heavenly minded and so they're no earthly good? You ever heard that? I've heard that a lot more when I was younger, probably even said it a few times. And, and, and the trouble is that's an excuse. And Paul's saying something completely different here. Uh, that's an excuse that says, you know, a, a religiously legalistic person that's just doing all the stuff and maybe they're focused in their reading and they're, they're focused in their, their rituals and all of that and that's where their life is and, and in the end result is they don't impact anybody for Christ. They don't make more and better Jesus followers. And so maybe we give them that excuse. Well, their head's just so far in heaven that they can't do anything on earth. 
Paul says something completely different here. Paul says, if our heads are in heaven, we're going to be the most good on earth. If we're doing what matters for eternity and we realize that Jesus is on the throne, we're going to do what matters here that matters the most. It has eternal value. It'll last forever. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount calls us to that. Don't allow our, our focus to be on earthly things that will fail and Paul and, and rust and, and meld away, but instead do what matters and lasts for eternity. And that's what Paul's saying here. If, if we're eternally focused, we actually are the most good here on this earth. And remembering that Jesus rules, he's the one on the throne, that gives us the motivation to have that focus, to live for God today, to live out a life for him with the attitudes and the actions that make an eternal value, an eternal uh, impact. And so Paul here, he goes in to, to indicate that, that, you know what, it's hard work to do that. It's hard work. So look at, look at the next verse. Verse 5, Paul says, so put to death. It's, it's not automatic to live for God. It's not automatic. And he says, put to death the sinful, earthly things that are lurking within you. Boy, they, they want to fight inside. It's a battle. Put that to death. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person's an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Since you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. That's where you were. It's not where you need to be. If you look at every single one of those, it can go back to selfishness. And he, he, he finalizes and lands on greed. And he lands to say that all of it boils down to idolatry. When we're putting our desires first, the things that we want first, the preferences we have first, we end up saying that they're more important than God. We end up in idolatry. And so the, the choice here is to say, I'm going to put that to death. I'm going to fight the fight. And I'm going to starve it out. And I'm going to cut it off. And I'm going to be done with that. And I'm going to keep my eyes focused on Jesus. Sometimes we can call all these the big sins. And take a look at the next couple of verses. Paul focuses on the respectable sins as well. He says, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old nature and all of its wicked deeds. And so Paul's diving in here, and, and the anger there, that's bitterness. I mean, that's an internal thing. And, and when bitterness controls us, you know, eventually... Eventually it bursts out and, and you lose your temper, right? And that's, that's the rage there. And just this, this back backbiting of maliciousness, being unkind to people. And, and sometimes you say, well, well I, can, I can cover all that sort of stuff up. But, but Paul says very strongly, we've got to put it to death. Why is he so strong? Why is he so strong when he talks about that? If, we've, if you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, our task, our responsibility is to live Christ to this world. We represent him. In fact, the people that we walk and talk with and, and are around every day, 
what they see of Jesus is what they see in us. So if they're going to see Jesus, they see us. And, and what I want to ask is, is, are these selfish desires a good demonstration of Jesus? Do these selfish desires, do they evidence Christ? If we're taking Jesus to the world, is that what we want to take to the world? Um, we could ask the question, maybe, what can we hide them? Could we just kind of hide them in the background? Can we just kind of cover them up and, and move on and, and present a good picture to the world? Well, the trouble is if we hide it, eventually it comes out, doesn't it? You ever lost your temper? Go and talk to my kids. <laughs> yeah, if we cover it up, eventually it pops out. And so Paul says, no, root it out put it to death, pull it away. And he challenges us with that process. Uh, he, he says in these verses, be transparent, be honest. If we're going to dig and root it out, we've got to be honest. We've got we to dig in and see it and, and not allow it to fester. Pull it out. In this verse, Paul uses the analogy of, of uh, taking off your clothes, changing, Right? He says uh, in, this, in this verse here, number nine, for you have stripped off your old nature. Stripped it off. Gone. And I picture that and I, I look at that verse and I see these muddy clothes. This is where we used to live. This is what we used to be. This is the old life that we have. But in Christ, we've got new life. And Paul says, you've already stripped that off. And yet sometimes we go running right back through the mud puddle. And we start to live in the mud again. And Romans says that the power of sin has no power over us because Jesus has conquered it. And Paul says in this passage that we've put to death that part of our life. It's, it's over. It's done. It's been conquered. We don't need to run through the mud again. In a sense, it'd be like stripping off the old nature, taking the muddy clothes and putting them in a pile on the ground and then saying, you know what? I kind of really like the way the mud feels. And I'm going to pick up my muddy clothes and put them all back on again, and I'm going to live back in the mud puddle. And Paul says, no. <laughs> no, you've already taken that off. Don't go back there. Don't go back there. And so Paul challenged us to instead put on Jesus. Put on Jesus. And it's important that we don't, that we don't represent sin in our life, but instead we take Jesus to the world around us. We represent Jesus in our life, that we would put on Christ. Look at verse 10. It says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And we've seen through this book that the creator, right back to chapter 1, Jesus, that we would get to know Jesus. And as we immerse ourselves in who he is and his love for us, that we would become more and more like him. We'd be transformed by him, renewed in him. Uh, we sang about that this morning. It's not, it's not us, but it's Christ in us, right? That we could be renewed and transformed by, by who Jesus is. And so in, in my struggle this summer, my struggle back in, in last spring 
you know, I could have gotten stuck in the problems. And I had made decisions based on my passion for, for the mission. But if my mind got stuck in the problems, I would have lost the mission. I would have ended up stuck in the mud of the past. Could have ended up in bitterness. I could have ended up not being able to get past the trouble. And what I had to do was get a, re a refresh, a refocus. I had to put my eyes on Jesus. I had to be renewed with his love. And, and what, what meant the most to me was, was being able to, to lean in eventually. It took a little while. It was painful. To lean in and rest in Jesus' love. And experience again his arms around me. And each of us probably experiences that in different ways. For me, it really comes down to, to music really played a huge role in my life this summer. And, and I would be there and I was alone working construction. I could turn on the, the music and I could worship and sing and just, just enjoy Christ. And it was songs like, Who You Say I Am. I can lean back in and rest in who Jesus is and what he says about me instead of focusing on here's my failure, here's my problem, here's my trial. Songs like Another in the Fire. I saw we were going to sing that this morning. It just it blew me away because that's one of the ones that influenced me throughout this last year. But I'm not alone. God loves me and he's with me and he's walking every step with me. Songs like like, uh, well done, my good and faithful one. To have my eyes on the prize. <laughs> We're going to walk in and be with our Savior forever. And so I could rest back and lean into God's love. And that changed my focus. Just worshiping here this morning with you. Worshiping throughout the summer. There were days in our worship together where the, just the tears would run is I could sense God's love for me. And he refocused my eyes. This morning, I think every song was picked just because God wanted it to say, <laughs> to speak to my heart. And it just drove at what we were going to talk about this morning, but the worship of being able to say, I am yours, you love me, you care about me. And I can see you on the throne and I can remember that you're in control. The problems aren't in control. But Jesus is in control and just lean into him. And that gave me the refocus that I needed that let me take my eyes off the struggles and put my eyes on Jesus. And I pray in this, this troubling, difficult time that this is exactly what we can do. Because of Jesus, we can take our eyes off ourselves, that we can put aside the selfishness and put on Jesus. Isn't that what we need to do? Put off and put on. Let the muddy clothes on the floor and put on our new nature. Live in Christ. Put on Jesus. Remember back to verse 1. What did, what did Paul write? He says, since you have been raised to new life, set your sights on the realities of heaven. And he doesn't say where the problems sit on the throne. He says where, where Christ sits in the place of honor, 
next to the Father. And sometimes when we need a refocus, we just need to run to the arms of the Father. Rest in Him. And trust in the sovereignty of Jesus. That He is in control. And that'll give us the refocus to know that we can do today what matters for eternity. That we can do today what has eternal value. That we can pursue what matters the most. And then we're going to have impact in our life. Then we'll be able to to impact people for Jesus, making more Jesus followers and better Jesus followers as we become closer and closer to the image of our Savior, our Creator, and know His love for us. And as we do that, you know, it's going to affect our behavior. It becomes that motivation. It becomes the refocus, and it affects how we live. But it's an internal thing that comes out. Right? It's not, a, it's not religion. It's not ritual. It's not good works that transforms us. It's God's love that transforms us. It says we'd be renewed as we learn, as we learn to know our Creator. As we know God's love, we'd be renewed. Not working harder to be better, but instead resting in God's love to be renewed for Him and inside then comes out and affects our behavior. There's another thing it affects. As we grow in the love of Christ, it affects our relationships. It affects our relationships. Paul dives into the next verse here in verse, uh, verse 11. And, and he talks about relationships. Relationships that were divided. Relationships that were separate. And so Paul says at the beginning, he says, In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free, Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. And so he's, he's speaking to the Colossians, he's saying that you've got all these divisions, and, and actually it needs to be come back together, because Christ is what matters the most, not the divisions are, are not what matters the most. And so they, they divided, they had, they had a Jew and Greek, and you, you know the, the Jew was not going to go to the house of the Greek. They were just raised that way, right? You could not go and be, be tainted, uh, become unclean. And so the Jew wasn't going to go to the Greek. They weren't going to sit down and eat together. They, Jews called the Greeks uh, dogs, right? There was division. He, he goes on to say circumcised versus uncircumcised. So they had the division in their church over religion over the ritual, over the things that they, were, they, they had as their convictions, and they were, they were divided over it. He says there's division on whether someone was wealthy or whether someone was poor, whether someone was free or whether someone was a slave. They had all these divisions. And Paul says, no, what matters is Jesus. And Jesus goes beyond that because Jesus sees the internal value in each one of us. Jesus sees our worth in a different way than we see it. And so Paul challenged them to get beyond that. I think as we, as we lean into the, the love of Christ, we can see people with the value that God sees in them. And so Paul's challenging the, the Colossians that way. And I, I look at that and I say, well, but, but in our culture, man, we've, we've moved beyond that, right? We're not divided anymore. We, we don't have divisions because we go back and, and, you know, the civil rights battles were fought. That's over. It's done. 
We, we've got the, uh, the women's rights movement. Well, that, that equalized men and women, didn't it? We don't have those divisions anymore. We don't have problems between nations. We don't have problems between economic statuses. I mean, everybody kind of sees himself. No. <laughs> the selfishness might have divided the Colossians. It divides us too, doesn't it? It divides us too. It's not over. Our pride can get in the way. Uh, our society hasn't overcome division. Maybe if we retranslated this in our contemporary society, maybe Paul would have said, you know what? It doesn't matter if you are a vaccine person or an anti-vaccine person. Uh, maybe it doesn't matter if you're a Baptist or a Presbyterian or a, <laughs> we can come up with a name. Uh, might go on and say, well, it doesn't matter if you're wealthy or you're poor or if you're unemployed or you're employed. Those are not the divisions that should divide us. Because what matters is the value that Christ sees in us. There's a bigger picture. And we get locked in the problems, but there's a, there's a bigger picture that matters more. And so, so Paul calls us back together here. Calls us back together. Because when we are in selfishness, we end up divided. When I focus on me, I end up divided. But if I can focus on Jesus, I can love. It brings us back together. And it'll affect not only our behavior, but it'll affect our relationships. We can do what matters for eternity if we keep our eyes on Jesus. Now, it's so easy to focus on the problems, but set your sights on the eternal things. That Jesus is in control above the problem. It's not the pandemic that's going to win. Jesus wins. Amen? There's our victory. And we're not done this year, we're not done next year, and God's still at work, and he's going to conquer. And he wins in the end. And knowing that Jesus rules will allow us to rise above the divisions and the problems and the struggles and the frustrations and all the things that are right in front of us right now. And it'll let us have an impact for eternity. After all, when we get to heaven, there's going to be diversity. We're going to have all kinds of people there that we didn't agree with on earth. Heaven's a diverse city, isn't it? And God's going to bring us together, not based on our divisions, but based on Jesus' love, because he did it. He conquered, he rules, and he's on the throne. And so when we take our eyes off ourselves and we put them on Jesus, what we end up doing is living better today. It affects our behavior, affects our relationships. We live better today when we live for eternity. We're better Jesus followers if we keep our mind on heaven. We're better Jesus followers if we keep our mind on Jesus and what he's accomplished. When we take our eyes off ourselves, we can have an eternal perspective. So what does that look like right now? What does that look like? And I just kind of think through that a little bit. I know that if I, if I kept my mind in the problems, I end up stuck, right? I end up in self-focus. I end up in self-pity. I end up in frustration and anger and, and all of those things. It's like my head in that cell phone. It's, it's rolling through all the problems in my head, and I miss the bigger picture 
But with my eyes on Jesus, I believe it can be different. I believe we can live not just for today, but for eternity. And so what might that look like? We get into a disagreement. Maybe, maybe it's over politics. Differences there. Maybe, maybe it's over the pandemic or masks or vaccines. or maybe, maybe we end up in an argument, a disagreement. I believe if our eyes are on Jesus living for eternity, we can say, I can make the relationship more important than me being right and winning the argument. I can make my influence for Christ more important than my opinions and my being right. I might still think I'm right. But I could use that and my pride and my selfishness to hurt someone else, couldn't I? To pull me away from it. I had this experience recently in a, just a conversation with one of my friends where we used to be on the same page. Maybe you've had this type of experience where a few years ago, hey, we're on the same page, politically we're in the same place, we, we had, are going into it, the same idea on, on how to deal with, with the pandemic and all that other stuff, and now we're in two different worlds. And as we're talking through the conversation, I'm realizing this more and more. The, uh, the frustration's kind of rising in me. The, the uh, heat in my thermometer's going up and up and up. And I had to just pull back and say, no, what's important? I'm starting to build this case in my head. Here's how I win my argument. And, and I had to come back and say, you know, what's important? Is, is influencing this person and sharing the love of Christ important? Or does winning the argument make the most value? And so I decided, you know, I just need to listen a little bit more. I've got to try to connect with this person a little bit more, ask some open-ended questions, get to know them, maybe help them in their personal family situation. And instead of arguing myself out of a friend, have a continued influence for Jesus. What does that look like? What does this eternal viewpoint look like? There's probably lots of different ways you know, I, I, sometimes right now I get frustrated with seeing my freedom slip away. And what I want to do is put my head on the eternal things and say, you know, I still have a lot of freedom. Let me use what I got to shine Jesus the brightest. Let's use today what I have still and shine for Christ. Uh, maybe we feel, feel isolated, alone. You know, there's tons of isolated people in our communities. A lot of them. Let's take our feelings and let us get out and say, okay, let me connect and reach out to and love the person next to me that might be feeling just as alone as I do. Let's use it for Jesus. We see people frown or maybe people worry, people complaining. Have you seen that? Uh, <laughs> we live in a frustrating time. But if our eyes are on the fact that Jesus is on the throne and the problem's not on the throne, we can still have joy. We can still have joy. And our world needs joy today. They need the light of Christ today. They need us to be salt and light in the world that we're in. And so I believe as we focus on eternity, we're going to live better. We're going to live better. We're going to impact people and we're going to show the joy of Christ, and we're going to be that salt and the light. As I conclude in prayer, I just encourage you to pray with me, to open your heart to God, to say, what area might be distracting me from the mission right now? 
What do I need to, to cut out? What, what's the, maybe the problem I'm focusing on or the sin that I'm, I'm stuck in? What do I need to cut out so that Jesus can shine? Help me, God, to put my eyes on you so that you'll shine through me. You join me with, in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your love this morning. May you wrap your arms around each one of us. Now, if there's someone here this morning that hasn't trusted you as their Savior, help them to know that you love them, that you value them so much that you gave us Christmas, so much that you gave us Easter, and you, you died for each and every one of us. Lord, help us to see people with that value. Lord, help us to love you. Be transformed in that love. Be renewed in that love. And that we would live our minds centered with you, our eyes focused on you, that we could live for eternity, for eternal value. Lord, point out in our life what we need to pull out, what we need to starve out, and help us to impact our world for you. In Jesus' name, amen.